When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. live uh welcome to the black and gold hockey podcast this is episode 283 a little bit of a father's day round table boston bruins discussion with some passionate bruins fans like myself fellow host kevin o'keefe and joining us today is a uh, passionate boston bruins fan sharon deets from the atlanta georgia area sharon good morning hey there how you doing good how are you guys excellent <laughs> and worry. also joining also joining us is Anish. Anish is uh, calling in from the New York area. Anish, how are you doing, sir? Good, good. How are you guys? Excellent. Thank you for your time today. Um, yeah, so this is episode 283 brought to you by betonline.ag. Um, and we, uh, like I said, doing a little bit of a roundtable, agenda-free discussion. 
for those of you that are in the chat right now or uh, viewing us uh, uh, via YouTube or any of our social, uh, please interact on the live chat if you have any questions or Bruins related topics you want us to discuss. And uh, but we'll try to fill in some of the time with our own questions, because, like I said, it is an agenda free discussion and um, just getting together on a on a Sunday morning, talking bees with some great people. So well, we just get started with the the recent news of Bruce Cassidy being hired by the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and it, it's a, it, it's interesting how quickly he got a job. And, and it, even in his um, in his press conference, he said that he was eager to get right to work. Um, with the new franchise. Um, it's interesting for me because uh, this this hire for Vegas is, I like, I like Bruce Cassidy a lot. I think he's a decent coach and so on. But I kind of feel like the Las Vegas Golden Knights management and ownership aren't totally on board with like the whole sports. It almost seems like they're all about their business and so on. I mean, we know that for, for, for a fact with uh, Jeremy Jacobs owning the Boston Bruins organization, but it almost seems like Vegas is the place where coaches go for not long-term. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek Lance only stayed there short-term, uh, Peter DeBoer short-term, and who knows how long Bruce Cassidy is going to be around uh, in Sin City. So, why don't we uh, go around the board, ladies first, obviously, but thoughts on uh, Bruce Cassidy and, and going to the uh, going out west to uh, the Golden Knights, Sharon? Um, I, I kind of figured that that's where he would probably end up. Um, I didn't really see him going any place else. I mean, maybe Chicago. I thought that might have been an interesting choice for him to go, but um, Vegas definitely does seem to be a good fit, but I will agree with you there with like the ownership and everything. I, I mean, I am a little bit surprised with the Vegas choice only because of just how in the past they've treated either players or, I mean, you know, the whole firing of Gerard Gallant and, you know, basically kind of kicking him to the curb almost and the whole thing with Mark andre Fleury. So it was a little bit of, and not really surprising, but just a little bit in that sense. But Kevin, what are your thoughts, big guy? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too surprised. I think it's a good fit for him. Uh, I think Vegas has a lot of good tools for him to work with. He kind of came into Boston into a similar situation, having a lot of good tools to work with. So I think he'll do just fine there. I think he'll continue his um, his uh, winning percentage just uh, for another team. I'm excited for him. Um, uh, it's depressing the way he was shafted by the Boston Bruins organization, and I think he has a great opportunity to go – and uh, hopefully win a cup over there in Vegas. I'm not saying that as, you know, I hope Boston doesn't win a cup. Of course, I hope Boston wins a cup. But if, if it isn't Boston, I'd like to see Vegas win one now just so Cassidy can uh, get his name on the cup. Anish, what are your thoughts? And uh, elaborate for a little bit while I get this tweet out. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I was also kind of happy for him. Glad that he got the opportunity. It was kind of obvious he was going to be probably the best option out there. Um, Trotz is kind of in this limbo where he wants to kind of run a team, maybe wants a lot of money. Cassidy is like the discount version, in my opinion, still gives you the base benefits as a coach, but uh, it's a little chip- cheaper. You saw that in the contract as well. Um, I was surprised a little bit um, that it was Vegas. I, I, I really did think that it would be Florida. And now you're hearing Florida might be looking at a new coach. I thought that was the best fit for him. Um, just kind of, They've got the offense down. They just kind of need to get someone with experience, get that defensive side down, and 
really just get over that mental barrier, which uh, we've seen we've seen Bruce do uh, for the Bruins. So that's kind of where I thought he was going to go, and he was going to hold out for better options. He signed immediately. Um, I think he was unemployed for like ten days or something, right? Um, so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess he really liked Vegas, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all the best to him. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Angie. How you doing? Good morning, Richard. Thank you, everybody, for that uh, that are in here so far. Truly appreciate it. Um, yeah the the whole Cassie thing is is interesting. I mean, obviously the the, the culture in that Golden Knights room needs to change because, um, like like. Um, like Sharon was saying about the players and not being happy with, with ownership, management, maybe even coaching, whatever. It's, it, it's also interesting that players are advising their uh, uh, players around the NHL are advising their agents not to, not to even deal with uh, Vegas because of what's been out there in the, uh, in the rumor mill about how they treat their players and so on. So it's going to be interesting on how Bruce takes a hold of that because it almost it almost feels to me that the more time that passes with Bruce and the departure, that more is coming out that he lost the room. He lost the room in the Boston Bruins organization, and players were uh, kind of stale of the message, uh, you know. And, and that happens. I, I go back to what Jeff Merrick said on the Jeff Merrick show and on the uh, Thirty Two uh, Thoughts, the hockey podcast. When he brings up a, a player like Larry Bird, and I know basketball is not relevant to this hockey talk, but after the third year of, the, of, of uh, Larry Bird coaching the Indiana Pacers, he resigned without a reason. And when he was asked why, he said, players don't like long-term things. They like to have the fresh guy. They like them so on. So I want to give these players an opportunity to get somebody else in the air and listen to what they have to say. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's weird in one sense that you you know a coach's longevity isn't really that long, but it's also you know that the message does get stale, and and we've seen it with with Julian, we've seen it with several other coaches in, in the Boston Bruins organization. So, I mean, we'll see what happens if if changes you know go their way in Vegas, but it remains to be seen at this point. Neely's going to bring in Dave Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> what a waste that was. You know, it's time for another uh, one-year stopgap. So, Lewis, you're up again. So, speaking of um, of new coaches and, and <clears throat> ones that are potentially going to be hired for this Bruins organization, I don't – I obviously, I, I don't want Barry Trotz. I am not a fan of that type of hockey. Um, and even, like somebody said uh, on, on Facebook, it was like, you should fire Sweeney and go get Lou Lamarillo. And – that's even a worse move because Lula Marillo traditionally, um, you know, sends down to his, his, um, his people that work for him, a very boring style of hockey. It's terrible. It's, it's absolutely yep. terrible. It's like the, the old New Jersey crap, the Ottawa senators. And, and now you got the, the, um, um, the New York Islanders, which is just, uh, for me, it's just very boring. So I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, Jay Leach is always one that is uh, is as is a top runner because he's has some time with the organization as a player, uh, but more notably, he's been the uh, Providence Bruins head coach uh, before going to Seattle. Now there's rumors that he wants to come back. Um, you know, having a house built in New Hampshire, uh, I believe, kid on the way. 
Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I like that addition, but I'm also on a fan that would like to see somebody. I like Jay Leach. He's a, he's a great person and a great interview and very respected in the hockey community. But as a Bruins fan moving forward, I want to see somebody that has never been here. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know Spencer Carberry. I'm very high on Spencer Carberry. I know he did was an assistant coach for Providence for one season before going to the Hershey Bears. That I'll give a pass because just for the fact is that Spencer Carberry is very committed to the power play. Look what he did to Toronto. You know, um, that was kind of a, a shit show this year. You know, but still, there were really good signs of of the power play coming together. Some more offensive production. And that's what we need. We needed a coach like that. But we also need a coach that connects with the room again. And I think that Spencer Carberry is that type of uh, of, um, of head coach that we actually need is, is a player's coach. We don't need the the, uh, the X and O's. You do this, you do that. I'm out of here. You know, we need the guy that sits down, that goes through plays, that goes through tough and, and good times. I just don't think that that was Bruce Cassidy. And a lot of times I heard that, a, a, a predominant player like Zdeno Chara and his role that he played with the Boston Bruins had several times he had to sit there with, com- with conversations with Bruce and say, listen, you, you got to get the room. You just can't be that old traditional coach anymore. It's different times. So Sharon, what are your thoughts on, um, on, on an upcoming coach? Do you have any ideas or? Um, I'm with you, Mark. Um, I think the Spencer Carberry is really kind of interesting. Um I've heard his name mentioned by a couple of different people. You know, I mean, they've definitely pointed him out and especially like you said, what he's done with the power play for Toronto. So I think that's definitely interesting. Um, What I don't want to see is, you know, some of the names that have been thrown around like David Quinn or, um, you know, I mean, I like Jay Leach. I think that would be, you know, it seems to be that's kind of, that might be where they're leaning, but I agree. I mean, I think that it should be, I'd rather see somebody that has no ties to the organization. Now, granted, I know you mentioned that Spencer Carberry did um, coach for Providence, but I I'm with you. Like, I don't like one year down there. I don't really think that's like a huge thing. It's not, you know, like Bruce who was with the organization for what, like 14 years. So between Providence and up in Boston. So um, another name that I've heard kind of thrown out is Jeff Halpern, which might be kind of interesting. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I, Barry Trotz, no, thank you. David Quinn, no, thank you. Um, I'm, you know, I, I think I've heard Joe Sacco, uh, whatever. I mean, nice guy and everything, but I don't necessarily want to see him as the head coach of the Bruins. So not, not now anyway. Kevin. Yeah. Mark and I talked about this, uh, I believe yesterday. I really have no idea on who I'd want to be coach. It's like one of those situations where I'm still a little bit burnt by the Cassidy thing. I mean, I understand there's things that happen that I don't know about in the room. You know, there's probably reasons that I can't see, but from an outside outsider looking in to me, I'm still a bit baffled by it. So I'm just going to go with Andrew and I'm going to throw my name in the ring. I mean, uh, I'm ready for it. Sign me up. Beer the beard. I'm ready. If, if, if they had me last season, Pasenak and Hall would have been together from since preseason. So let's go. I'm ready for it. I'll take the throne. I told I told you that morning beer was going to pay off today, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anish, what are your thoughts on the, um, on the potential head coach and thoughts on, on you know, obviously filling the shoes of Bruce Cassidy? Yeah, I think just to address Kevin's point there, I was also kind of a little bit surprised about the Bruce thing. I thought that he would go out with Bergeron. And so I think when we get clarity with the Bergeron situation, I think maybe this move makes a little more sense that way. I agree with the rest of the panel. I don't think that we want to go back to, to something we've known, no leech. I am still, even though the rumors haven't been there, I would like to see Nate Lehman at least get an interview. Um, I know he signed that five-year extension with Providence, but just kind of reading about the guy, I, I listened to a podcast he was on a few months ago, and really everything he talked about seemed like what the Bruins need going forward. He talked about how to rip it, like, address guys who are doing poorly who are younger uh and he talked about how he's he's gone through certain growing pains that way learning to work around with uh smaller defensemen he, he that's kind of his thing at providence as well and at uh union before that um and then he also talked about his like interests and he like talked about how much he liked fishing that sounds something that you know jeremy swayman would like something in his development, just kind of like as a person, as a development guy, I think he's really shown that he can do the things that um, you would need a Bruins coach going forward to do in developing young guys, connecting with them, really getting a message across. Um, so that's kind of where I'm leaning. I, I would, it, out of the names that they've kind of thrown out there, I think Jim Montgomery was also something that like, if he's personally okay, I would go 100% for that. Everywhere he's gone, he's gotten better. Um, and made the, the teams around him better and competitive. And, and now he's coming from St. Louis. They have an amazing power play. I, I just love the movement there. And I think that's something that the Bruins need to implement, not just, even though it's successful in other places, standing around is just not working for them. Um, yeah. And I don't think it's going to change anyways, anytime soon. Yeah. Montgomery is interesting just because I think he did a good job with the Dallas Stars when he got in there and unfortunately he had some issues that um you know he had to resign from or, or he was let go I, I don't know the logistics of that but i do know it was because of um you know he was an alcoholic yeah. but he got treatment he got all everything he needed and now he's doing great with the st louis blues so that is a name that does intrigue me a bit um i think it could be a i mean try it for a year or two, see what happens. Um, but I'm still not even sold on that because I'm still pretty, it's still pretty raw for me, but um, I don't know. It's, ah, man, we were having such different conversations uh, after game seven. And this is one that I didn't think we'd be having and we're having it. And it, um, I just don't, I mean, I just don't see how they're going to be able to continue this window, bringing in a new coach. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on with Bergeron. Um, we have no idea what we're going to be doing at the center position going forward. It's um, it's a lot of question marks. And to be honest, not to be that guy, but I would love to see the Bruins finish outside of the playoff race this upcoming season to get a shot at one of these really intriguing center prospects that we have in the top 20 of this upcoming draft. Jesus. So you won the tank, Kevin, <laughs> not a tank, but okay. you know, but I mean, obviously if they make the playoffs, I'm going to be happy about it. But, um, but if they finish outside of that and they are in that lottery area, 
I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to be, okay, all right, let's go out there and draft a good center prospect and let's get this going. And uh, Andrew Taverna, our friend over at blackandgoldhockey.com, always a nice guy, ready to go on a trip overseas and well-deserved. So safe travels to you, Andrew. But he brings up this one. The guy that wanted to trade Patrice Bergeron is now, <laughs> I hear Mike Milbury is available. If you want to be miserable again, exactly. That's a big no. But thank yeah. you for the, thanks for the, uh, the, uh, the question and the, uh, the uh, participation, Andrew. And, and happy um, Father's Day, Andrew. Yes, absolutely. He's got a and everyone else out there who's a father. What is? Oh, you know what we should do? Let's hear from the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some fantastic stuff. Uh, hand signed, uh, black and gold, uh, everything. He's got hand signed Boston Bruins pictures from current players and alumni. Hand signed. Um, jerseys from current players and alumni pucks same thing and he also delves in some other sports uh, as well as football basketball and baseball here in boston so please check him out and uh listen to what he has to say and we'll talk on the other side Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. On Father's Day, June 19th, be sure to stop by our booth at the Cardboard Promotions Card Show from 8.30 to 2.30 at the Holiday Inn in Dedham, Mass. You can check out dozens of hand-signed Bruins memorabilia. While you're there, you can meet NHL legend Bernie Parent. On May 23rd, we hosted Bruins legend and 19-time All-Star Raymond Bork. We have Raymond Bork jerseys starting at 139, photos for just 59, and pucks for 65. On June 6th, we hosted the return of Bruins legend Derek Sanderson. You can score with autographed inscribed jerseys starting at just $89. 8x10 photos for 34 or pucks for 39. For more information on our dozens of hand-signed Bruins pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we are back. We just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. And, um, you know, you got to spice up that fan cave. I always tell the people, go and get some stuff. I mean, hand-signed jersey for under $100. You can't find that anywhere else. It's absolutely amazing. And, uh, obviously, if you need uh, a, uh, a jersey holder, a nice glass jersey holder, reach out to me. I got the connections for those, too, for a really great price. All right. We're back. We're talking Boston Bruins off-season roundtable style with my dear friend Sharon and Anish and always Kevin O'Keefe. Well, we miss the Dominic Tiano. Uh, he's doing the Father's Day thing, which is very respectable, and uh, we'll get him on as soon as possible. We love the Dominator and, uh, and that amazing Fohawk. So, uh, <laughs> that he did not die black and gold exactly. for Game 7, which is why we lost. So if you're looking for someone to blame the dominator. He's, Hit him up on gonna, Twitter. Let him know. He's going to whack you. He's going to whack you. Whack away. 
All right. So where do we where do we want to go now, dude? Sharon, do you have a topic that you want to bring up at all? Um. Yeah, I mean, just as far as like what you guys think they're gonna do in the off season, you know. I mean, I know that uh, Don said that you know they're not gonna do any buyouts or anything. So, you know, I mean, who who do you think they're you know they're gonna look to move? I mean, because they've only got about what two, like just over two million in cap. So, you know, I'm not sure what their moves are gonna be, and who knows what's gonna happen with Bergeron? And you know, people keep saying, you know, are they gonna bring Krejci back? Is he gonna come back? So, just curious as to what everybody's thoughts are as what their what their potential moves might be. Uh, for, for me, Sharon, I got to be honest with you. If you're going to bring in anybody to make significant changes in this lineup and increase your chances to get to the second, third, or even a Stanley Cup run, roster roster spots need to be available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like the idea of Nick Foligno when it happened or during the offseason in free agency because he, I thought that he would provide a little more of what I saw in, in previous in his career. But it really didn't pan out to what it exactly was. And then I was kind of like feeling it, like maybe we'll get playoff Felino. We've heard about playoff Felino before. And that kind of didn't happen either. So now I'm on the, we need that cap space. And that cap space has to be uh, relieved by, by a compliance buyout. And I know that they weren't talking about it and so on, but you got to free up the money to get money coming back in this way. So it's going to be, challenging as it is with every off season in this Boston Bruins organization to see where they can relieve those funds. Um, I, I'm not on board with if um, you know, if, if Bergeron comes back and then uh, Felino's gone or if, uh, if Bergeron doesn't come back, Felino is now your inspirational leader in the, in the room. I'm sorry, but there's 19 to 20 other people in that room that have, a little uh, that can still provide that leadership that this team needs, not just uh, one guy. Um, but I don't know. It's just, I don't have any faith in Don Sweeney to be honest with you. But I mean, nice yeah. guy and everything, and tries his best to to you know appease the uh, the management and ownership. But I I, I don't know. I, you have to make some moves, whether you make a trade or or do this and that. I mean, could Jake DeBrusque be involved for cap relief? That's $4 million off of next year and the year after. Um, I don't know. It's, it's Like I said, it's going to be challenging. Yeah. I'm um, I'm trading Grizzlick. I'm trading Mike Riley. I'm trading um, Nick Foligno. If I, if I can get him into a package somehow and out. Um, I am looking to get a trade going that will involve a center. Um, doesn't have to be some of the names that were thrown out there, like a Pierre Luc Dubois or, or Mark Scheifele. I think those would be bigger packages. I don't know if the Bruins can handle those packages. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. But for me, if it involves that 2023 first round pick, I'm out. Um, I think that yeah. is going to be in a very important pick for this team. Um, do not blow it. Um, just for one year of contention when you can possibly figure that out for the following season. Um, I think that in order for this team to stay relevant, they need to make sure that they're keeping Pasternak happy this year. Get him signed. That is a huge, huge, huge piece of this. Make sure the second you're allowed to start talking to him, those talks start. Get that done early and as quickly as possible. 
Um, hope that he gives you a little bit of a team uh, hometown discount, which I, I think he's the type of guy who would. I mean, if you look at his last contract, he could have been making $8 million easily. Um, his comparable at the time was uh, Leon Dreisaitl. And he came out and said, um, you know, for me, it's not about the money. I'd never thought I'd even be playing at this level. Um, so to be making this amount of money is absolutely incredible to me. Watch him do something stupid like go 8.8 .8 for eight years or something. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be a Pasenak thing to do and then go out and get a ten dollar uh, Chinese food meal, uh, Chinese food meal. You know, that's that's all him. But there's there's so many ways it can go. And I mean, a lot of it does kind of hang on what Bergeron's going to do. I think we're going to get that answer very soon. I don't think it's going to drag very long after the um, uh, NHL Stanley Cup is awarded to either the uh, Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning. And um, it's oh, wow. just going to be very interesting, very interesting to see what his decision is. I'm, I'm totally 50-50. I have no idea where he's going to go with this. Before I was leaning you know, more towards he's not going to retire, but I mean, it's, it's, it's up, it's up there. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, and I, I, I remember telling so many people uh, when that game seven happened against Carolina, watch this game. Like it's the last game you're ever going to see Patrice Bergeron play. Cause it is a very real possibility. Very, very real. And um, it's feels more real by the second in my mind. Uh, he, he won that Selkie. He's now the record-breaking Selkie winner. I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, I don't know what to expect, but I'm really, really excited to see what's going to happen this offseason. And for better or worse, uh, whatever happens, go Bruins. Anish, what's up? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think that if the buyout isn't happening, they're putting him in Providence and they're asking him to like do something just like – coach or something there's no way that they're going into next season and holding on to this cap space um that nick felino is taking over um i don't know how that would play to to nick felino as a veteran like would he be offended by it i think they would have to talk it out but uh as dom mentioned in one of his write-ups they don't save that much more money by buying him out versus putting him down in Providence and burying the contract. Um, then they can bring him up uh, for, for playoffs if they really think that veteran leadership is needed, just like Wagner. Um, I think that's on the wall. I, I think that's very likely. I, I'm interested, interested to see what they do with the defenseman. Um, I agree with Kevin. I think by the end of the year, uh, both Grizzlick and Riley should be off this team um, just because the way that the future of the defenseman is looking, um, for the Boston Bruins, it's kind of strong there. Uh, and you have Zaboral, you have Sean that needs to come in. You have Lori that's going to come in a year or two from now. Uh, and then you have all the other like prospects that you have in Providence, if you're strong on any of those. Um, I think that you probably move. It's a tough one because the, the injury timelines, I think Riley probably has to get moved first because I'm not sure who's trading for an injured Grizzly. Um, and then at the deadline, you're you're looking at how Grizzlick is doing. Is is it worth moving him? Uh, and then I guess the other thing is just like figuring out what you do with the bottom bottom six. Uh, I would just with the kind of change in leadership, and if they're really looking to expand the roles for young guys, I would look to at least at the deadline move a Noshek, those types of players. I think that while they're good, they're not going to be in this window 
they're probably like two or three years from actually being a cup contender. So they might as well move him while he has some years on his contract. I, I don't know if it's one or two. Um, and, and give way for, for a Beecher or someone to come in and play. The Pasternak thing is interesting. I wanted to throw this back at all of you. At what number do you guys consider like a, a, a trade with, I don't know, the Devils who, who have been shopping the number two pick and their prospects for, for an elite goal scorer? Is, it, is there any number you guys would consider? Is it like 9.5 AAV? What is it? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, are, are you talking about moving David? Moving David? Yes, yes. So you don't want to pay the, the extension. You move him for the second overall pick, and one of their prospects brought, I don't know, Mercer. I don't know who's on the table for them, but they're looking for a goal scorer through trade is the, the reporting. So extend and trade is what you're talking about? Yes, yes. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, you want me to go first on this, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I need to ponder this a little bit because I'm also thinking about something that Anish uh, brought up earlier that I kind of want to push back on respectfully. Not Nothing nothing bad. <clears throat> All right. So the first thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to pull up pretty much like the mock drafts here for 2023, you know, um, and see exactly what we're looking at here, what position these players are, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now, what I will say is the 2023, uh, 2022 um, draft is very top heavy. There's a lot of good players in that top 10, top 15 um, that we're looking at here. Um, now, as far as a number goes for, um, for Pasenak, um, I, I think a very reasonable number. I mean, let's, let's, we're talking market value here. A market value number for this guy is easily between ten and eleven million dollars a year. I mean, he's an elite goal scorer in the league. He's proved it, even on a year where he was injured, probably had COVID, um, you know, lost his child. You know, I mean, he still put up forty goals. I mean, the guy is insane. He's he's a really good character for a room. Um, trading a guy like that almost makes me want to put my head through a wall. Cause that's something I would never do. And I know you're not saying that you want to do it. It's just something that's out there that should be addressed. Um, now, so a number for him, like I said, between 10, 11 million dollars we're talking about now, if the, if the New Jersey devils want to bring him in and the first round pick is a part of that, I mean, I think they're going to also have to give up more. David mm-hmm. Pasternak, I think, is worth more than that first-round pick for sure. I mean, I'm talking about maybe a guy like Miles Wood, um, Zaka, you know, guys like that being a part of a potential trade. Um, now, is Pasternak the guy you want to do that with? Probably not. I think there's a good chance you resign him. He loves it here. He loves his teammates. Um, he's happy here. Um, I don't want to say trade Brad Marchand, but I mean, you know, if you if you were looking at a guy to trade, I think that would be a guy you could look to trade. He's still got a lot of term left. I mean, but some people may be looking at these this double hip surgery as a little eh, I'm not too sure about that, but we'll stick with the Pasenak thing. So I'm pulling it up right now. And if we were to get that pick. You have so Shane Wright's going to go first overall to the Canadians, most likely here. That would be the guy. That mm-hmm. that would be the guy right there. You'd want that guy. Um, but then number two, you're looking at. I can't even say this name. I wish I had Dom here so he could give me some uh, 
some crazy pronunciation of this name and but it's like Zhirzhaj Slavoski. Uh, yeah, Slavoski. Beats me. Beats me. But then you, you got know, Logan Cooley, who is there at third. He's 5'10", 174 pounds, center. I, I, I don't know. It, I don't know too much about these players here. But, I mean, for me, I'm, not, I'm out. If it was the first overall pick, I'd probably consider it a little bit more getting Shane right. And you got LaSalle who's probably going to become a top line right winger. I mean, there would be, that'd be a conversation, but I'm not seeing anything that's jumping off to me. I mean, you got a left winger, a center. I'm not too sure about. You do have a uh, Simon uh, Nemec, a right hand D who is slated to go fourth overall here on this mock draft. A couple more of those. You got Frank Nazar, who is a center right winger. Um, there's not much size though. Um, I mean, this yeah, left winger who's supposed guy. to go second overall, that Slav Slavoski guy, he's six four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, left winger. Wow. Jesus. Powerful. If you want toughness, there it is, possibly. My God. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm out. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's the uh if you trade David Pasternak, you're on a full rebuild right now. Now what yeah. you're doing is you're getting assets, younger assets to build for the future. I honestly don't see that right now. I see of a more of a, a retool, um, kind of like what they've been doing, and it hasn't quite worked out in the past couple of years. But I don't, I don't, I just don't see that as being a very, you know, we we do need to get younger assets. We need to replenish the prospect pool because it's very thin. I cover the Providence Bruins pretty thoroughly, and. As much as uh, Ryan Mujanel does a decent job with with what he's provided, there's still not enough in the in the pool for for us to really build on for the future. And I know Sharon, you watch a lot of a uh, lot of AHL hockey like me, um, particularly with Providence. Um, so I I'm out on that too. It's not a bad idea. I'm not I'm not stomping on you for the for the thought. Um, but I'm going to go back to what you were talking about for with uh, Nick Foligno and burying him in Providence. Um, they did that with Chris Wagner last year and Chris Wagner still has term on his deal. Um, so what happens is, is you don't bury that whole contract. You get a little bit of relief. So Mm -hmm. if I'm just going to throw out a number, it's probably not factual and I'll probably get hammered on it on Twitter for not knowing my cat friendly and Puckpedia stuff. But if you put down, Nick Foligno down in Providence and he's making 3.8 at the NHL level. I think you're only going to get, you're going to have to like pay him down in Providence, like 2.5. You're not really getting that much of a relief. So, and it's still capable. Like Chris Wagner's number down in Providence is a capable number. So would you want to add players that are capped and they're not playing? I don't see Jeremy Jacobs being a business guy like that. I think that Bruins management want to maximize everything that they get out of every contract, which makes me believe Nick Foligno is coming back next year. Hate to say it, but that's just the way that they they do things. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm on a total pass on the past act thing. Uh, you know, maybe if we were like the Arizona Coyotes and we were about ready to go into an NCAA arena with 3,500 freaking college kids, that idea might not be a bad idea. Sharon, what are your thoughts? I'm a hard pass on <laughs> trading Pasenak for sure. No, I mean I think you 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 would definitely need to get 
much more than just the first round pick. And I mean, you definitely need to bring in a, a just as, you know, maybe not as skilled of a player, but definitely somebody that was going to, would be able to help you and probably even like, you know, one or two prospects or something. But I, I, I would not want to give him up. I mean, he's right now, he's your, you know, your prime scorer pretty much. I mean, you know, with Marshan, you know, but so I don't, I, I don't see I, – I'm, I'm with you, Mark. I think if you're trading him, you're definitely in a rebuild. You're not in a retool. And I don't see this organization wanting to do a rebuild at all. I mean, they, they've been doing this, you know, kind of retool for the past, what, like probably like five or six years now. So I don't see them going into full rebuild mode. And I don't – yeah, I don't – I think – I don't think you want to trade pasta. Yeah, especially with this with the the, the – provincial window opening and closing on some of these veterans uh, a rebuild is just not a good idea at this point uh when you're trying to do something to get you know better uh increase your chances into a a postseason and even try to challenge for a stanley cup i mean there's there's gonna be a lot of work to do to just just to get to that point this off season you know and like we said earlier in the program that you know, the cap needs to be adjusted. Your roster spot needs to be adjusted to bring in players that, you know, that to fit the puzzle, you know, not, I, I'm, I do not want to see this Boston Bruins team sign another player like Nick Foligno at a million dollar deal, thinking that they're going to get a bargain. But what you're doing is you're blocking any progression from those guys that are prospects out in Providence that are working out, you know, you put in you putting them in bad situations, in my opinion. Like Oscar Steen, love the kid, great player. He's he, you know he's going to be in the mix of the Boston Bruins organization. Jakob Zboril, we all saw Jakob play very well in the in the time that he did when he was covering for an injury, and then he got injured himself. But the sad part about that is those two players are now signed to contracts for next season. Now, here's the thing: if they need, they have to make the the NHL club where they're going to be exposed to waivers. Mm. I don't want to see anybody come in on a million dollar deal. That's a veteran and we can have trust in them and block players like this that are trying to make their niche in this frigging league as, as young, as young Bruins organizational members. You know, I just don't like the blocking of, of, uh, of the, you know, it's bottlenecked as it is. I just don't like the, uh, the progression that the Boston Bruins do with younger players. Oh, I'm watching some uh, some highlights of this Logan Cooley kid. Yeah, holy crap, he's a gamer. Oh he's my pretty, god, he could potentially go number one. That's what a lot of people are talking. Those those this ranks, kid. those ranks have been fluctuating. Um, the 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 mid uh, the mid season ranks to the final ranks have been all kinds of all over the place. Mm-hmm. This kid's speed is incredible. Oh, oh yeah. my God. I mean, crap. <laughs> I'll say one thing. If Pasenak comes out and says, I do not want to resign in Boston, yes, trade him to the Devils. Let's get this Logan Cooley kid because holy <laughs> shikes. This kid is a gamer. I would take him in a heartbeat, but I don't think that's the case. I'm just talking out of my buttocks. Go ahead, Anish. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say, I just needed to bring it up. Pluto put it into the kind of conversation here with his article a few weeks ago. And then the devil's thing came out almost after, immediately afterwards. I don't want to trade Posternock. Please don't, you know, I love the guy. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna tell you something. You're real lucky you didn't put that Twitter account on your freaking uh, on your bio on this on this uh, live stream. <laughs> yeah, you probably would have gotten hammered. Um, the next couple of minutes uh, before we take our mid-show break and hear from show sponsor at online.ag, uh, uh, Jason Larati, he always comes in here. Thank you, Jason, for showing up. Truly appreciate it. Happy Father's Day if you're a dad. But I want to highlight this one right here, talking about Bergeron. Jason says, do you guys think there's a chance that Bergeron sits out till trade deadline and plays for the and, and plays in the playoffs if they make it? More or less, I think Jason's going the Kucherov here. What are your thoughts, Sharon? Yeah, not a uh, not chance. That's an interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting thought, but I don't. I don't see that happening. I mean, I think he's either in or he's out completely. Like I don't see him kind of standing out until, and then you know, if they make the playoffs to come in. So, I yeah, I, I don't. I don't see that as being like a Bergeron thing to do. So. It's an interesting thought, but I don't, I right. don't see people doing it. Kevin's a no. Annis? <laughs> I'm a no as well. And we're all no's. Uh, sorry. Sharon hit it great. Open. I didn't have to elaborate. All I had to do was say <laughs> no. So thank you. Thank you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we're about at the mid-show. Uh, so we're going to take, we're going to hear from the amazing, uh, our amazing show sponsor, betonline.ag. Uh, if you like to gamble on sports, Please go check them out. They are very good, uh, very interactive website. And uh, obviously bet, um, you know, don't bet everything. Don't bet the house. Do it responsibly. You have family and friends to think about. But uh, anyway, let's hear from, let's hear me talk about show sponsor, betonline.ag, and we'll be right back. Our partners at BetOnline.ag continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA Finals, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball scores, and all the latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline.ag is a continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in the action. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, we just heard from the amazing show sponsor, betonline.ag. Check them out and use that code CLNS50 because it does us a great deal of service. Helps us pay the bills here at the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. All right, so we are back. Um, Hip Checker 20 comes in. I like this one. I got to highlight this real quick. When drafting, when talking about drafting, it, it must be remembered that Sweeney's group are poor drafters. That's true, but uh, they have been getting better lately. Um, I thought that the Mason Lowry pick, the Lysel pick, uh, Brett Harrison pick, I, I think they're getting a little better. So hopefully, you know, it, it continues with this draft that's coming up from Montreal. I wish I was still going, but things just didn't work out. So I, I actually disagree. I, I, I don't think that 
the group is as bad as people like to make them out to be. I understand there's some picks in there that are misses, but it happens with every organization. Uh, What a lot of people hang their hat on is 2015. Get over it. It was how many years ago? It happened literally the second Sweeney came in. Now I'm not saying that's a, uh, that's a, um, uh, an excuse for, the poor drafting choice that was made on Seneshin because that's the only poor drafting choice that they made in that entire um, in that entire one because Zaboro was picked right where he should have been. Um, Jake DeBrusque is a fantastic NHL player. He just needs to put it all together in his mind, and he's he's got the he's got the skill set. Look at his shot. Look at his speed. The kid's a good player. He wasn't picked too far off from where he was supposed to be picked. Um, the Seneshin one, yeah, that's a head scratcher. I'll give you that, but they still got good players in that draft. They got Carlo that draft. They got, um, uh, who else did they get that draft? They, they got Carlo. They got, um, I believe Dan Vladar that draft. Um, Lazon. There's some other names that I can't think of in there that they also got, but, um, yep. Lazon. And moving forward, it's like, yeah, I mean, I give you the Frederick pick. I, I can't really give you the Beecher pick because that was kind of a really weak draft. Um, and I think Beecher is starting to show some stuff in Providence that you're going to like. Um, it, it's to me, I just, I just don't agree. He got you Swayman, McAvoy, Carlo. Um, it, not every single player is going to be a, um, a superstar right off the draft podium onto your team. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you can say poor drafting if you want, but I just totally disagree. And yes, Tenkrat, Frederick too. I, I I mentioned that. That's a that was a poor pick, in my opinion. I think they could have done a lot better with that pick, but it's, I mean, crap. Try being in their shoes, trying to yeah. bring out your crystal ball and be able to tell the future of every single one of these kids. I understand. I mean, I was on that train. Matt Barzell, uh, Zaboral, and. Um, and um, who was the other one I wanted there? God, he was the Hobie. He was the he was the Hobie Baker winner that year. Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor. I was on board yeah. for those three. Those are who I wanted going in. Well, not going in because I thought Barzell was going to be gone. Um, but once I saw Barzell fell, I wanted him bad. But still, it's like we we, we got to move on from that. I mean, I don't think it's as bad as people like to make it out to be. Not to say that it's perfect, but it's not as bad as people like to make it out to be. Hey, real quick, I want to plug Mr. Tenkarat right down here. Search that dude for uh, on Twitter. Fantastic videos and like split second uploads. Um, it provides a lot of good context to what's going on in the play. So shout out to Mr. Tenkarat. He's always one of my favorites, and I always use his videos, uh, whether it be the Providence Bruins or the Boston Bruins, and, and most of my articles. So and we all do it. B and G actually, uh, fantastic follow. I'm watching this Slavowski kid too. Yeah. Holy yikes. Not only is he huge, but God, he's got hands. (laughs) Too bad we didn't need a left winger. Jesus. That kid is freaking good. Jason brings up this one. It looks like a trade scenario. Pasta and DeBrusque for a second overall, for the second overall, and Brat. Bruins seem to love Wood. So maybe get him in the deal too. Yeah, I'm. I'm not on board with that. No, yeah. that's 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 a good trade for for New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. yeah. Not for Boston. I mean, you're talking about a top line winger, a top another top six winger. 
the second overall in Brett, I, I just don't think that's a win for Boston at all. And I'm not saying you have to win the trade, but it at least has to be fair. And I don't think that's even fair. I don't think so. Even with throwing wood in, I, I mean, it's Pasternak four, second plus. I mean, it's not the other way around. Right. All right. Um, anything else that other folks want to bring up you know, on this panel before I start searching these? Um... One thing I do kind of want to talk about is now the defense. We got Lindholm. Very excited about that. But here's the question. After seeing what we saw um, in the end of the regular season going into the postseason with him not really being able to stay upright, do you guys have any concerns for Lindholm's overall health moving forward um, for the Boston Bruins? Um, maybe a little. Um, I mean, I don't. I didn't really watch him too much in Anaheim, so I don't really kind of know what his his past history was. I do know that he has been injured a couple of times on Anaheim, right? If I'm not mistaken. So yeah. I'll pull it up for you while you're talking. Yeah, I mean, always it is a little concerning when you know you've got because when he first came in too, he was injured, right? And then he ended up getting injured in the playoffs. So yeah, I would think it's a little bit of a concern for sure, especially given how you know we managed to lose D consistently in the playoffs. I mean, that definitely seems to be one one position that we you know constantly lose at least one you know sometimes two guys during the playoffs because. I definitely think we need to get heavier in that, you know, in that area for sure. <coughs> but uh, so, yeah, it's a concern. So I'll give you his games played since coming into um, the league in 2013, 2014. He played 78 games in 2013, 2014, another 78 in the 2015 season. We'll just call it 2016, 80 games played. And then 2017, 66 2018, 69, 2019-76. 2019-2020 campaign, we saw him with 56 games, but I believe that was a shortened season to 70 games. I believe that was that season, correct? Yeah, 2019. Yeah, I think so. Yep. And then the 2020-2021, he played 18 games. Wow. Played 18 games. And then 2021-2022, he had 61 games with Anaheim and 10 with Boston. So I'd say he's relatively okay. He's been relatively okay health-wise. I, I think I'd say um, the the 2020 2021 season. Obviously, he had something happen. I, I don't know what. I'll, I'll look into it. But he had something happen there that was a little rough. But I mean, we got someone on the team named Patrice Bergeron who rarely plays more than 60 to 70 games a season. And we covet him, so I think we're I think we're okay there. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a little concerned like you, but I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, and that that 2021 season wasn't that um, shortened to 56 games as well. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. So he played the full 56. Yep. So he's relatively healthy, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good moving forward because we're definitely going to need him with McAvoy not being around for the first couple of months. Um, on the back end, so he's going to be a, a, an inspirational leader. While while Mac is going to be out, um, and that's that's a whole topic in itself, right there. Is is now are you? What are you doing during the off season? Are you do you want to add on the blue line just for the fact is that um, you know players are going to be out, Mike Riley and and uh, McAvoy and so on. It's 
it's something to think about or or is it just stay with what we have right now and and fit the pieces internally which i i don't see i, I mean i i'd like to i'd like to see more jack ashan if he's retained i think he will be but um I, I don't think that that's the the solid move that we that this Boston Bruins team needs to move forward and moves the needle. But he's a he's a sustainable player who gets in there, does what he's told, and and for, you know he does do a decent job. But it's just somebody I wouldn't lean on for really hard minutes and so on. Um, and I I like the player, I like his mobility, I like his offensive prowess and so on. But um, defensively you got to think about players like Matt Grizzlick. I mean, Matt Grizzlick is the same thing, a real mobile guy, a good puck possession guy. But when it comes down to, you know, thoughts from him away from the puck and trying to get a bigger body out from in front of Jeremy Swayman or, or uh, um, I can't even remember the other goalie's name right now, which is so stupid. Um, Linus Malmark. Yes. You know, you, you want to get those bigger guys that Sharon has alluded to, you know, to get the clear the space, create a, a lane for the goaltender to see the puck at all times. And if you have to, you know, block a shot. Um, I don't know. It's it's like I said, it's going to be interesting on how everything's managed uh, with the injuries coming up and with what they want to do moving forward. And I, I do agree. This, this team needs to get a little bit heavier um, because, you know, the people that, are the the you know the big bad Bruins of the old are, are starting to really it's starting to to rear its ugly head that this is a, a thing that we need because teams like Colorado and teams like Tampa Bay and St. Louis and Carolina they seem to have these players that can be just absolute nuisances and and they're being successful. I know that Carolina is not successful right now, but still it's just one of those things that that you still need. You need that you need that Patrick Maroon. I you know. You need the big rig, so we'll see what happens. Um, so on that, um, I think the Boston Bruins should be looking to bring in a right shot defenseman. It can be like a Mike Riley, Derek Forward type of guy, someone who is usually best, you know, suited as a third pairing guy, but can play some top four. Um you know, can play top four if needed. And that's the type of piece I think that he should be looking at. Um, Now, if you want to go a little bit of, I I feel like the guy who could fit that mold is a Josh Manson. Yeah. don't think he's a top four guy anymore, but I think he can still play the role if needed. And could you imagine a Derek Fulbort, Josh Manson, third pairing? You want to talk about a freaking in-your-face, brutal third pairing who can play that stay-at-home while giving you a little bit of nasty, there you go. I don't know if Colorado is going to be able to retain a guy like Josh Manson. Um, I think they're going to have some question marks going into uh, this upcoming offseason when it comes to cap and stuff like that. I'm not too privy on their cap situation, but I'm assuming so. When you have a Stanley Cup team, there's always question marks and you know money needing to be moved out and – contracts that you can't sign. Um, so I wonder if Josh Manson's a guy they could look at. Uh, he's <laughs> my favorite spot track. He's 30.7 years of age. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you got that. I mean, it's he could be a good stopgap for, you know, maybe you sign him for a year or two. Um, you got Tenkrat here in the um, – he's saying, you know, one mil, one year to uh, – Gabranskin. Um, I'd be okay with that too. I mean, 6'5, 222 pound. 
uh, right shot defenseman. That's another good name right there. Uh, Sherratt can be punted to the moon. I'm all set <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some names here. There's definitely some names here that you can look at to kind of bring in and help. Um, you know, maybe have like a Zaboral and Manson or, um, or uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, Gabranson. Yeah. All Close right. enough. Yeah, we'll Close go with enough. that. I'm still and tired. Yeah, it's all right. It's a, it's a little early. We, we don't traditionally do these programs at 10 a.m., but uh, Anish, um, what are your thoughts on uh, the back end? Do you see them getting uh, bigger, heavier, and, and a bigger need like that many NHL teams are doing these days? Yeah, I think that there's a difference between the bigger size that the Bruins have looked for, like a Forbert or a Carlo who can't really skate versus like a Manson, right? Like those types of players, you know, you want to be able to move and keep up with the pace. Um, and that's kind of like the disconnect between what the Bruins have been trying to do and what the rest of the league have done. Um, they've gone like, just like you're super big and you stay at home or you're really small and then you move around. And I think the, the kind of, in between there is um, is kind of that Manson role. Zaboral probably fits in that kind of role, even though he's a little bit smaller. I think he's like six foot, six one, something like that. Um, I think I'm interested in uh, seeing kind of where they go with the defensemen, uh, uh, because from the Sweeney presser, what I understood, is, what I took away from it is they're going to replace all a lot of these injured guys with their younger guys because they said it's some kind of like transitory year they want to bring in more younger guys and the injuries are the biggest thing that played a factor in that so i'm i'm expecting a lot of call-ups and a lot of like young players in the mix uh but i wouldn't be opposed to, to bringing in kind of like cheap money older players just to kind of ride out some of that injuries as well if you want to be still in contention i think that maybe there's some writing there that if Bergeron doesn't come back they're they're looking to really get into that lottery area as Kevin was talking about. The, the injuries in the back end are going to be challenging, of course. Um, but I could see like a player like Matt, uh, Michael Callahan getting maybe a game, uh, some games. Um, obviously if um, Jack O'Shawn is going to get resigned, I could see him getting some games. Uh, Victor Berglund, I thought that took a lot, uh, took some big steps down in Providence uh, from the beginning of the year to the end in his first uh, North American tilt. Um, but um, after that, it's real thin down in Providence too. Like, uh, like fellow host Domtiano has written about, um, you know, not only do you have to re or, or, or kind of like reconstruct this NHL roster, but you also have to do the same thing down at Providence as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting on how this free agent, this whole free agency works. I'm not even going to do this because this computer sucks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I could see some of those guys making some impacts, um, you know, to the to the lineup with injuries. So mm -hmm. along that line, I thought I was very surprised that they, they didn't go after um, – the the wild pick the uh first round pick Johansson I think he signs with the Canucks he, he was a similar kind of type of player he's a kind of like two-way guy he didn't seem like he was going to make the like top pairing they were hoping um 
I thought that that was someone who could help fill out that Providence roster and be a prospect for them, especially without a first round pick. When he goes to the Canucks, I don't know what special like signing they gave for him, but um, I thought he was a good fit here. We talk about, um, you know, filling in those injured players with guys from Providence. And it's like, what would that really look like? I mean, I think you're looking at a top pairing of uh, Lindholm, Carlo, most likely there. And then you're looking at a guy like Jack Ashan and Zaboral as your second pairing. And then you have Fulbert Clifton as your third pairing. I mean, that's what you're really looking at if you go that route. Now, if Bergeron doesn't come back, are you okay with that? I am. If Bergeron comes back, are you okay with that? I'm not. So it's really waiting to see what Bergeron's going to do. Because if Bergeron comes back, me, like any other Bruins fan out there, is going to be thinking in their minds, I would love to see Bergie and this team win another cup. da 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 And I'm right there with them. I mean, I would love to see it, of course. I would love to see what they could possibly do. Um, But if Bergeron's not coming back, yeah, throw the kids in there. Maybe you got something special there in Jack Ashan. Ride it out. See what happens. Maybe you get a lottery pick. Maybe maybe you luck the hell out in that lottery pick and you (laughs) get that first overall pick. You never know. I mean, God, wouldn't that be something? Jeez. So, so my computer finally started to act uh, appropriate and, and do its thing. So uh, looking at um, puckpedia.com right now, I'm looking Michael Callahan is Kai Weissman, uh, right shot defenseman who just signed, 25-year-old. He's a big kid. I think he's going to be the replacement for Nick Wolf. I don't think Nick Wolf's coming back. Uh, I think that's a project that they uh, – I think the Boston Bruins um, – Try to identify that size that we're talking about, Sharon, uh, in the past, like with Wiley Sherman out of Harvard. That didn't work out. He moves yeah. on. I think the same thing with Nick Wolf. But I think this uh, Kai Weissman is somebody uh, that is uh, intriguing. It's a one-year deal. Um, uh, he's most likely going to be in Providence, but could also get some time if he has a really good camp uh, in covering for some of these injured defensemen um, on the blue line this upcoming season. So, that should be, a, I mean, like I said, though, I mean, you got Ver, Berglund and Cody Curran is gone. He's not coming back. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see who, what free agencies, free agents are going to come in um, this uh, summer for the uh, Providence Bruins, whether they be known as a prospect to the Boston Bruins or just um, an AHL only contract. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not looking great. Let's put it that way. All right, uh, where are we going now? Let's see. Paul Mafred. He's always a good guy that comes in here. Who would you guys love to see up from the Providence Bruins? Sharon, why don't you take Steen, this one Steen, first? Steen, Steen, Steen. Yeah, same Steen. I'd like to hear yeah. I'd like to see him get a you know more than just you know two games or something. So Anish, who you what are your thoughts? I, I think I've been pretty I think I want like all of the bigger ones here. I need Stadnika to stick at this point. I want to see Beecher on that fourth line at some point. Um, I think that if, if you're going to keep a Sean, you have to kind of get him into the lineup soon, see what he has. Um, and that's kind of like the tricky situation they've done last year is that they didn't give him enough games to really know, is, is he going to be a guy who can stick around in the NHL? 
Um, and they had some opportunity to do that and they chose not to, uh, especially after that Tampa game, which is a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, I think those are the big ones. I think, I don't know what the status of uh, Brett Harrison was. I know he reported to the uh, to the Providence Bruins um, at the end of the season. Do you know that, Mark? Uh, yeah, it was it was an gonna... ATO. It was an ATO. Okay. So he's going he's going back to Oshawa for the uh, upcoming year. Gotcha. Um, yeah, because yeah, he's he's under the... Harrison's under the 20, 20 year old uh, oh, okay. guideline. So if you if you're drafted out of the CHL and you're between eighteen and, and twenty. Um, it's either the NH, it's either the NHL or you go back to your junior team. There's no option for the American Hockey League. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just something that keeps players involved in the juniors, and, and and it's it's good for revenue. You know, people continue to buy their jerseys and so on. It's not like somebody comes in at 18 years old that's drafted in the NHL, and then poof, they're gone. You know, so a lot of that stuff was all wasted and so on. It's 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 really good for those uh, smaller leagues like the CHL to to benefit financially by having some of these well, bigger, well-known players around your organization for that much longer. And, and it really does sustain the, the, the league in, in a whole uh, to be one of the world's uh, top producers of uh, hockey prospects. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I think those are the big ones. I, I think for Stadnika, I don't know about you guys, I would force the issue. I, I would put them on that second line with Pasternak, or I guess might be the first line now. And uh, just kind of give him 10 games and see how it goes. I think that's the only way you're going to really get something out of him at this point. I don't know if that's the way. Um, I, I'm out on Studnika being a top six guy at this point. I don't think he's that type of guy. I, I think he's a bottom six guy. Now, he's not going to take over that Coil position. It's not going to happen. Coil is that guy. Um could I see him possibly being put on a fourth line with a guy like Studnika? I mean, with a guy like Gostin, I could see that, but I'm not sure. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm not, you know, crapping on your idea, uh, Anish. I, um, I mean, if the season is going in the route of um, no Bergeron coming back and they're kind of like just saying, all right, we're going to see what these kids can do. Sure. Why not? Give them a little chance there. See what he can do. But, I mean, I myself don't think he's that player. I've been out on that, um, you know, pretty much since um, – I wouldn't say the beginning of the season, but <clears throat> about halfway through the season I've been out on him. Um, I just don't think that he's going to be that guy. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think a lot of people were I, – I think I am trending that way as well. But last season I think everyone was – generally out on Zaporal and Vakanan and then they kind of turn it around, you know, they might be on that lower scale. So maybe Stadnika can stick around that way, but you need something to jump his confidence, which is why I suggested playing with better players um, and seeing if like just guaranteeing him some games, not telling him that, but you know, just kind of letting him play through it helps him right. a little bit. A little tiny bit of pushback on that though, is that, Usually for defensemen, it's okay to see them later on in their 20s start to round mm -hmm. out into that type of player because with defensemen, usually it does take longer for most of them. Not everyone's a Charlie McAvoy, uh, Kale McCarr, uh, an Adam Fox. Um, but for for forwards, you typically like to see them start to get it going at least by 22, 
you know, 23 around that area. I mean, I feel like once you start getting into more, you know, more years where they become 24, 25, 26, you about know what they are at that point. Um, with forwards, it's a little different, but I mean, you never know. He could be, you know, a, a gem just lying there that we don't know about. You don't know. I mean, you, it could happen, but I'm just a little bit out on that, but we'll see. Another, oh, another person that I think might be kind of interesting, and especially with Martian out, is Lauko. I mean, he hasn't really gotten much of a chance, and I'd kind of be interested to see what he might be able to do. Yeah, he's going to he say um, healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. He's been, that's he's, it's, it's been real tough for his development um, in yeah. here in North America. Uh, is even internationally when he played in that one game, one shift, and he was out. Uh, with a lower body injury. Um, yeah, he's just, it's weird the path that he's been taking because um, I expected him to be a little more offensive. Yeah. Um, but the past two years, I've seen him be more aggressive. Uh, he drops the gloves a lot more for a, a highly skilled player, um, which you all, I'm always for, if, if, if you're the guy closest to stick up for a player, do whatever it takes. Don't wait for the bigger defenseman to jump over the boards. Don't take the number. But Jakob's the type of player that would just do it and and not worry about it. But that leads up players like that with his skill set to be more injury prone. And I really don't like seeing that. I, but Jakob is uh, under contract for one more season. And he's a UFA, an RFA after that. So there are some um, – the Bruins do have some – some uh, some rights to him uh, for future uh, contracts and looks and so on, but this is the year next season. I really want him to take a bigger step offensively. We've seen the the tools that he can provide. Let's get it all together. Um, another year of Ryan Mujanel, Matt Thomas, and and Trent Redfield on the bench and down in Providence will only be beneficial to to the player and the uh, the organization moving forward. Um, but yeah, I th this is going to be a real good evaluation year for him because uh, if, if it doesn't work out, I could honestly see him either going back to Europe uh, or finding another spot on, a, on another team. Um, and maybe his NHL success might be more prevalent in, in another organization around the league. Who knows? I mean, we've seen so many people uh, leave this organization and go elsewhere to try to make it, whether they're successful or not, who knows, but still. You know, you can't keep everybody, but, you know, I really had uh, high praise for that type of player after I saw him at development camp and then his first couple of years in Providence. But then everything just kind of went downhill a little bit. So see what happens. Uh, another another player that I'd like to see in Providence get resigned is, is Cameron Hughes. I thought he's done a really good job, but he's a UFA group six, so. They generally don't keep players like that around, but his leadership is going to be, you know, that's, that's a, that's the Patrice Bergeron in Providence. That's the best two way forward in my opinion. And he's been really up there in the uh, stat standings for the Providence Bruins, like in the shortened 25 game season, he had like 27 points. And then last year he did pretty decent, but it was injured a lot. Um, I don't see Jesper Froden coming back. I don't see Stephen Fogarty coming back. Um, so we'll see what happens. And Matt Philippe, um, has no contract, so we'll see what happens with him. He's an RFA 24 year old with arbitration rights. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Can, can we highlight hip checkers comment, please? 
Which one? The Grizzlick? Boom. Um, I definitely disagree with this. Um, Grizzlick is not too small to be an NHL defenseman. Uh, if you're going off of last season, he was injured for most of the season. I mean, Grizzlick is the type of player who can move the puck, play pretty well defensively, and can also take a hit. He can take a hit. He really can. Now, when you're injured with a shoulder that is separated and reset and just keeps on, you know, malfunctioning, you're not going to be able to take a hit like that. That's where you're, you know, where you're seeing uh, an issue for Grizzly. But uh, he is a top four defenseman. Is he a top pairing guy? No. And I've always been on that. He is not a top pairing guy. He is too small to be a top pairing guy. That is my uh, reaction to that. But uh, is he a top four, like number four guy? Absolutely. On a cup team, is he probably better suited being a bottom pairing guy? Yes. Um, but he's definitely an NHL defenseman for sure. And I think it's a little bit too late in his career to really pass him off as a uh, a potential forward, in my opinion. So you remember when Tory Krug was like, we should uh, we should take him off the defense and make him a forward? Was a I, I, was on, I was on that train, but... It was earlier in his career. All right. Um, when it would have both. made sense. Hang on. Yeah. This one from Matt Hunt I want to highlight because this is kind of weird. <laughs> Regarding Jason's trade, I'd put Swayman instead, then swap Brat for Mackenzie Blackwood. Ouch. Okay. That's let me, a tough one. Let me Matt. go back to Jason's trade. So Jason's trade is Pasta and DeBrusque for second overall and Brett. So instead, you want to do Pasta and Swayman for the second overall and um, who was it? Who was it? Blackwood. 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 Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, bro. I'm good. Yeah, that's, that's um, a tough one. <laughs> bro, 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 bro. bro. Um, it's not even freaking noon yet. I can't even have a drink yet on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna. I mean, I'd rather. I'd rather drink sardine paste. Oh, oh dude, that's gross. I'm out. All right. Matt, is any- I just want to really quickly, where do you see that Kuzmenko is going to the Canucks? Do you have a source on that? I'm really interested because he was a really good prospect that they were like 50-50 on whether or not he's coming here. Who uh, was it? So we can get Andre Kuzmenko. He, he says that he's signing with the Canucks, but I can't, I can't find it anywhere on Twitter. We, we were talking about centers, right? Sadika not being there. Uh, as a top guy, would you guys go after the potential qualifying offer guys, Strom, Zaka? Chicago and Strom depends on on what you can get for him. You know, depends on that salary. Uh, has he shown that he can be a, an NHL player? Yeah, but is it is it consistent through an 82-game schedule? And uh, obviously, I haven't seen much of him in the playoffs and what he can do. Um you know, it's not a bad idea, but I don't know if it moves the needle completely. Like, for me, I would absolutely go after Andrew Kopp. I, I think the New York Rangers are going to have uh, cap casualties, much like the um, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Chicago Blackhawks, obviously, with them uh, in, interested in moving Alex Dabrinkit, um, which would be would take a boatload. We, we don't have the assets to make that happen. I'd love to see it, but still. Uh, Strom, yeah, I mean, what we need now is we, we we have Charlie Coyle on the third on the third line. We need that second line center. 
And uh, I don't know if Strom moves the needle enough for me to place in there between um, Pasternak and and uh, and Hall. But um, you know, I, I, like Andrew Kopp, I think is is somebody that could play that role pretty good. Then there's some other ones out there too. You know, like J.T. Miller is mm-hmm. uh, is constantly up for trade talks, and 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 uh, I think his contract's over now. I, I think they wanted to try to move him, but you know they're going to have gap casual. Oh, okay. All right. So he's got one more year. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's definitely going to be a trade. Uh, so who knows with that? But you know we're going to have to. There's a lot of the, the free agency seems thin, but when you break it down on cap friendly. <clears throat> And you and you put in the versatile players that can play center. There's a lot of intriguing players that are, are, that are going to be available. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, if if I'm if I'm the Bruins and Dylan Strom, so there, there's rumors that the Chicago Blackhawks are not going to offer a qualifying offer to um, Dylan Strom. Now, if Dylan Strom does end up becoming a UFA, if I'm the Bruins, I'm 100% taking a run at that. 100%. I mean, that could be your second line center right there. Easy. I mean, easy, especially between T- Taylor Hall and David Pasenak. 100%. I mean, I, I, he's young. He's what, 24, 25 in that area. Yeah, something I mean, like that. Yeah. Yeah. He just had a, he just had a really pretty, he had a pretty damn good season there in Chicago with uh, uh, playing on that top line there for a bit. So I, I definitely would take a run at that for sure. I don't know why Chicago would be looking to move away from him. But if those rumors are true and he hits UFA status, absolutely sign me up. Uh, JT Miller, I, I, I'd i be for it. Uh, I think, what is he, 28? I think so. Yeah. I'd be for it, um, depending on the price, obviously. Sharon, any thoughts on on your ideal center to come in and, uh, and play that second line? Whew, that's a good one. Uh, David Krejci. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're a big fan of Krejci coming back, huh? Um, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm on the fence about it. I mean, when he first went, I was just like, uh, you know, bummed. And I've gotten used to it now. I'm not, you know, now it's been a year. But would I like to see him come back? It would be kind of cool. But I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one. But as if far Bergie as comes back, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. If Bergie comes back, I mean, and they're and and Krejci wants to come back, and he can still play at a uh, quality NHL level like he did before he left with a Taylor Hall and a David Pasternak, I'm all for it to go for another cup. Sure, I'm all for yeah. it, but I don't know if that's the case. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I like the idea because the fact is that he's he. It's only been a year out, so you still have you still know the system regardless of the new coach that's coming in and, and if its system changes generally through my, my Bruins fandom, the system doesn't change. It's a very um, predominant defensive type of style. This, this Boston Bruins team has, has had probably since the 1924 season when they came into the league, but still, you know, you need to, um, you need to adjust to what's coming in and, and, and the new voice, regardless of who it is. Um, but, I, I don't mind the idea of Krejci. I just, uh, if it's going to happen, I don't want that to happen in September. Um, I want him to be around this team uh, in Boston, Warrior Ice Arena, working with these guys uh, throughout the offseason. Um, so sooner rather than later for me, because 
if he comes in and in in September and still has that, the league that he's playing over is is like kind of. I think it's kind of comparable to a, a an AHL team, maybe even lower. So I'd much rather have him get here, signed, and so on sooner than than later. Just my opinion, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's if that's um, also if we're pushed into a corner and we can't find signers either. So right. I mean, free agency is yeah. going to be an interesting one in in that aspect. Right. Yeah, there's definitely better options out there. Um, can we highlight Jason's um, comment right underneath Craig's? So here's my pushback on that. How did Grizzly play in the 2019 playoffs all the way to the cup finals? I think he played very well in his role as a third pairing guy on a cup team, which is what they were. They were a cup team. They came one game short of winning it, unfortunately, but it wasn't because Grizzly was on the ice and it wasn't because he couldn't stand up to the physical physicality in the playoffs. He, he can take hits. He can move the puck. He can create offense. That's the type of player he is. Um, I think he it was just fine. I mean, when injuries happen, of course you're not going to be able to hold up to any type of physicality, regular season or playoffs. I mean, that's just what happens. Um, but Grizzly can definitely stand up to the physical physicality. He can take a hit. May not be able All to right. give him as well. But and yeah. I guess I guess Matt Hunt was also um, saying replace. Pasternak with Swayman. So he would want to do Swayman and DeBrusque for their second pick and Blackwood. That's what he was saying. And I, I want to highlight Craig Collier's um, uh, thing here. It's, it's very interesting. Thank you, Craig, for tuning in. Don has to be creative this season more than ever. Trade players like DeBrusque, Riley, no check for picks or players and try to find replacements without overpaying on the UFA market, Felino to AHL. I'm with it. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Like I said, it's going to be an interesting uh, off season, and uh, Craig comes back in with this one. If Krejci does not return, they should target Kirby Doc from Chicago, six foot four center. I'm totally sign me up. That. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> Absolutely. If they're getting rid of Doc. I'm on board. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I heard Debrinket is the guy they're looking to possibly move if someone's moved. But Cause, yeah, because um, Alex is going to bring you more. Any team that's really interested in obtaining him, they're going to they're going to get more for him. I mean, Chicago's yeah. is that type of team that's still there on. Would you consider Chicago a rebuild or a retool? Rebuild. Rebuild. Yeah, yeah for sure. You have, I mean, you actually have to have put him in the rebuild category when two of your players, two of the top players on the team, are making ten million dollars each for the, at least the next season, and then that's it. And then that, uh, who knows what happens with both of those careers? I could actually see them both um, signing somewhere else, but um, we'll see what happens. I-, I like the idea of Kirby Doc, though. Wow. Where do we go from here? We just want to call it a show because we're, we're we're almost at the uh, hour and a half point. So and we've had a great little conversation right here, a little off-season Boston Bruins roundtable discussion. So I don't know. I say call it right. Yeah, Let's go enjoy enjoy yeah. our Sundays and in uh, Father's Day. So um, listen, I I want to thank uh, Sharon as always. You're awesome on Twitter and a great friend and and. This is the first time we've actually been on the program since the old beers and Bruins. Remember those? I know, days? I know. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So it, Thanks so much. It's been, I mean, I'll do this anytime. I love this. Excellent. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely keep you um, uh, involved in the conversations because we, we want to do this just to, to keep the content going throughout the season, kind of help the, the off season pass as fast as possible. And if we can provide a service for Boston Bruins fans to come aboard and join Kevin and I, and even Dom Tiano when he can make it, that'd be great. So uh, always good to talk to you. Anish, uh, thank you so much for your time today. I truly appreciate it. Um, brought a lot of knowledge and some interesting um, topics to the table. And and uh, we appreciate that too. So, uh, and the, and the uh, invite goes up to you as well sometime uh, further into this off season, if you'd like to join us and create some more, some more content, we would love that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun and this is a great way to kind of talk about Bruins hockey. Absolutely. And both of you, uh, thank you so much for the support online, you know, the retweets, the shares, the interaction has been really good. And last but not least, my boy, Kevin. Kevin, thanks again for joining us on uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, you got the the bed beard going on, and you rocked it today, oh, yeah. by the way. You absolutely rocked it. So, yeah, that's that's patent pending now, so nobody take that uh, bed beard away. <laughs> and as we end, I do want to just mention that we do have a Patreon account that's going on, and I know that I have to get caught up. I, I'm, I'm, I got puck saved for Sharon when she comes home to Boston. So... Uh, and if you want to get involved, obviously, please go to patreon.com slash black and hockey podcast where you donate just one dollar per episode and you can receive um, signed pucks like from Vern Flannan way back, you know, and um, Eddie Johnston. Good stuff. But uh, and we also give away a jersey every month. I got to get caught up on that as well. I got to go talk to my boy, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports Music Memorabilia and order several more jerseys. So always spending money for the Patreon folks. They, they are the best. They are the, the uh, financial supporters that really drive this small sports media company. So that being said, I'm host Mark Allred. That is fellow host Kevin O'Keefe. That's Sharon Dietz and Anish. We are the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. Peace out. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.